Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Thank you, Brother Chuck. And what a great service we've already had. I feel like I've been in church. Wow. This is great. And by the way, that movie, Parents, if you've not seen it, that's one of the most inspirational movies you'll ever watch in your life. What an amazing movie. Uh, inspiring film and so uh, please take time to watch it and encourage uh, the young people in your family to participate in this study I'd like for you to open your Bibles to the book of James chapter 4 we'll read verses 1 through 6 again we've, we've been in this passage of scripture for a few Sundays now this will be the third message on this text And I just have to tell you that I have loved every teaching and every text that we've dealt with through the book of James, but this one has been special. This one has spoken to my heart. This is one that the Holy Spirit will not let me get away from, one that we need to really spend some time on until we get it and it becomes a part of our lives and a part of this uh, church. Al, come pray for me, brother. Just, I don't even know how to turn these mics on, brother. (laughs) I did it, I did it. It was a miracle. (laughs) So. (laughs) Let us pray. Father God, as we we begin, Lord God, to settle ourselves, God, and we bow down before you, Lord. Lord, we just empty out, Lord. Lord, we empty out, Lord, from all the stress, from all the pain, Lord. Lord, we empty out, Lord God, from all the strife, Lord, and the tension, God. And Lord God, as we empty out, Lord, Lord, we just ask you to come in, Lord, and be the comforter, Lord. To come in and fill us with your word, Lord. Because without your word, Lord, there is not life, Lord. Without your word, Lord, there's no justice, Lord. Without your word, there's no peace, Lord. Without your word, there's no resolve, Lord. So come in and fill us, Lord, with your word, Lord. Lord, we need the intention, the very intention of your heart, Lord. Lord, we want to be discerned, Lord God, to what the Spirit is saying in this hour. In this moment, Lord. Because it's critical, God. That we get it right, Lord. Not for ourselves, Lord, but for our brothers, for our sisters, Lord. For our households, God. Lord God, for our schools, God. For the government, Lord. For our cities, Lord. And for this nation, God. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed out of your mouth, Lord. So open up our ears, Lord. So that we can hear, Lord. Let it be hearers of the word, Lord. But also let there be our action. Where we, we can become the doers. Lord, we don't want to take this in, Lord God, and just go about our way, Lord, 
But we want to take this word in and begin to walk in it. Begin to breathe life and begin to be what you called us to be in this last hour. Yes, Lord. Lord, we give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, strengthen our pastor as he gives this word. Mm. And let, let your Holy Spirit <laughs> speak through him, God. Mm -hmm. Not a man, Lord God. But let the spirit of life begin to speak through that vessel, God, like never before in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Before I read the text, I do want to share with you that as we conclude the service today, I want us to do something uh, that will be a little different from what we normally do. Uh, as I finish the message, I will say a word of prayer. And then we will stand together and sing at least one verse, one stanza of a song. And then we will go into the invitation. And I'd like for you to begin praying even now that that will be a time of decision for this church, for all of us. But I also want to encourage you that that time of invitation is a very special time. Uh, the service is not over when I say the final prayer. I do understand that occasionally sometimes people have to, they're forced uh, uh, because of a, some schedule, they have to get up and leave. But if you don't have to leave, I'm asking you to treat that part of the service uh, equally uh, important as the rest of the service. And let's uh, keep our eyes on the Lord and see what the Lord does. James 4, beginning in verse 1, says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. But he gives more grace. Therefore he says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now today I want us to look at the two verses in that text that I have not dealt with so far. Verses 4 and 5. I will read them one more time. Verses 4 and 5. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. What James was saying is this. He was speaking to the church and to those churches that begin to lose their way and move in the wrong direction. And he's saying when you are fussing and when you are fighting and when you are quarreling among yourselves and there is a war breaking out in the fellowship and, and it's sad to say but it happens sometimes when you are coveting and lusting for pleasure, and destroying each other with your words. What James is saying is when that kind of activity is going on in the house of God, that makes you adulterers 
an adulteress is. That's what he's saying. He's saying that when those things are happening, that means that you are being unfaithful to the God who loves you and to the Savior who saved you. Yesterday, we had a funeral service right here in this worship center, and it was a homegoing service for our dear sister, Catherine Howard. And uh, one pastor stood in this pulpit, and I have to tell you, uh, even though I did speak for a few moments, I spent most of my time in the sound booth. But one pastor stood here, and it was so refreshing to hear what he had to say. He looked out over the congregation, and he said, when you become a child of God, you no longer get to do what you want to do. When you become a child of God, you belong to Him. You don't get to live life your way. When you give yourself to Christ, you have to start living His way. That's what He said. And this is what I said. Amen. Man, we need some more of that kind of preaching today, don't we? That's exactly what James is saying here. James is saying, you cannot live this way. He's speaking to people who have made professions of faith to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, this behavior is unacceptable. You can't act that way. You can't live that way. You can't do those kind of things. And when you do, it makes you adulterers and adulteresses before a holy God. Friends, I want to tell you, we need to be reminded, every child of God, every person in this house who knows for sure that you've been born again, you need to know that when you gave your life to Christ, when you humbled yourself down before Him, when you were genuinely saved, when you were baptized, when you began your walk with Christ, at that moment, you became His. You, you became partnered with Him. You, at that time, entered into, listen, very important that you get this, you entered into a marriage relationship with the Almighty God. You made a sacred covenant of marriage with God Himself. Now, if you think for a moment, that that language is too strong, then I want to remind you of some Scripture that we have in the Word of God. Jeremiah 3.14 says, Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. I love this passage of Scripture. God says, I'm married to you. I'm married to you. And you're backsliding, you're drifting away from me, you're moving in the other direction. And he's calling those who are moving in the wrong direction, return to me, O backsliding children, for I am married to you. And then, this is my favorite part of that verse. He said, I'll take you one of a city, and I'll take you two of a family. What he's saying is, don't wait for the city, don't wait for the crowd, don't wait for your family, don't wait for anybody else. If you've ever had a salvation experience, you are married to the Lord God of heaven. You belong to Him, and His Holy Spirit will constantly call you back to Him. Isaiah 54 verse 5 says, For your Maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is His name. 
And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. In other words, the Redeemer, the God who made the world. He's the one that we belong to. We're in a marriage relationship with Him. And that analogy carries over into the New Testament. Many, many passages of Scripture. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. The same relationship that a husband and a wife have, it is compared to that relationship that Christ has with His church. And when you read it in context, it really just opens up. It says, as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present her to Himself, a glorious church, a glorious bride, without spot or blemish or any such thing. All through this Bible, the idea is that when a person comes out of darkness and into the light, when they repent of their sins and they meet the Lord God, of heaven, there is a marriage relationship. Now, with that in mind, then as we look at that verse 4 again, he says, adulterers and adulteresses. Now, it's important that you understand that this is not talking about sexual immorality, even though without a doubt it includes it. But that's not what it's talking about. This is talking about spiritual immorality. This is talking about spiritual adultery. This is talking about the people of God being in bed with the world and in a love relationship with the world. And James is saying that should not be the case. He's saying, don't you know that when you become friends with the world, don't you know that when you're in step with the world, don't you know that when you're acting just like everybody else in the world, don't you know that when you're in bed with the world, James is saying, you are cheating on God. Listen to James 4.4 4 in the Message Bible. You're cheating on God if all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get. You end up enemies of God and His way. Now, a lost person can't cheat on God. A person who's never had a born-again experience, a person who's never entered into a covenant relationship with God can't cheat on God. They've never known God. They have no relationship with God. So this is obviously... Talking about those of us who call ourselves Christians. I've said this so many times from the pulpit, friends. The church, one of the, the, the great sins of the church today is we, we've got everything turned around backward. The church is pointing toward Washington. The church is pointing toward politicians. The church is tur uh, turning toward uh, education in America. And all these institutions and saying, you need to get right. But I want you to know, you read your Bible and the finger is being pointed at us. We're the ones who need to get right. We're the ones who need to repent. We're the ones who need to return to the God who loves us. Now, this also helps us understand verse 5. I told you we'd look at those two verses. Look at verse 5 again. Or do you think 
that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Wow. We, we, have, we have one verse talking about adultery and the next verse talking about jealousy. This is language we can understand, isn't it? And when you put the two verses together, verses 4 and 5, we have God's people cheating on Him and God's Spirit being jealous. I've heard preaching on this subject and I want to be honest with you, most of what I've heard goes something like this. God just loves us so much. God's just crazy about us. God just yearns for us and God just longs for us and God just wants to embrace us and God is just chasing after us and God just, He's just so jealous for us. He, now friends, I want to tell you, I believe everything I just told you, but I think that falls woefully short of what the Scripture is saying here. You see, what the Bible is saying is that God is a jealous God. Exodus 34, 14 says, For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Did you know that one of the names for God in the Bible is Jealous? It's the name Elkanah. And, and if you look this verse up in the Hebrew, this is what it says. It says his name is Kana, and he is Kana God. He is Kana El. He's a jealous God. The Bible tells us that our God is a jealous God. And if you think that's a fuzzy, warm feeling it's talking about, you're wrong. That's not what it's talking about. Nahum chapter 1 verse 2 says, God is jealous and the Lord avenges. I looked that word up. The word avenge. It means to take vengeance. It means to punish. Nahum seems to be saying when God gets jealous, something is about to happen and it is not good. Wow. Hey, I read something the other day. And I, I, I couldn't help myself. I laughed so hard when I read this. It said when, when guys get jealous, it's really kind of funny. But when girls get jealous, World War III is about to break out. <laughs> and then I read this. A jealous woman does better research than the FBI. <laughs> Can I get an amen in the house? Well, friends, this is exactly what Nahum is saying in this verse. When he says God is jealous and the Lord avenges, Nahum is saying don't romanticize the jealousy of God. Because when God gets jealous, something bad is about to happen. Now I know there are some of you that you've been so indoctrinated that God loves us and He would never do anything to hurt us or to offend us or to rub us wrong. 
But I want you to know there's no basis for that in Scripture. The Bible says, whom the Lord loves, He chastens, even as a father, the son in whom He delights. The Bible says if we're without chastisement, we are illegitimate children. We don't even belong to Him. I'm telling you, child of God, that if you know Him and you belong to Him, God will get your attention. And sometimes that's not a lot of fun. You think it's difficult dealing with a jealous husband or a jealous wife? The Bible says you don't want to deal with a jealous God. Deuteronomy 4.24 says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When God gets jealous, He starts burning things up. I mean, I mean God will, will rain on your parade. He'll, he'll mess things up in your life. Every now and then I, I, as a pastor, I'm talking to somebody who is a child of God, a Christian, and yet they're living just exactly the way they want to live. They've divorced the standards of Scripture and they're living their own way and they will say things like this to me. The devil is just fighting against me. The enemy is just trying to hurt me. Every time I turn around, I just feel like I'm under spiritual attack. The devil is just destroying my life. And so help me. Oftentimes I think, what makes you so sure that's the devil? Your biggest problem may not be the devil. It may be a God who is a consuming fire. A God who loves you. A God who just will not let you go and will not let you be comfortable while you're going in the wrong direction. Zechariah 8.2 says, This is what the Lord Almighty says, I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. Friends, God is a loving God. But He's also a jealous God. And those two go hand in hand. Our God is an agape loving God. But He is also an Elkanah God of jealousy. I love these words by C.S. Lewis. He said, you ask for a loving God, you have one. The great spirit you so lightly invoked is present. Not a senile benevolence that drowsily wishes you to be happy in your own way. Not the cold philanthropy of a conscientious magistrate. Nor the care of a host who feels responsible for the comfort of his guests. But the consuming fire himself. The love that made the worlds. Wow. Wow, friends. C.S. Lewis was right. You want a loving God? You can have one. You want a loving God? You can find Him. Better than that, if you want a loving God and you really want a loving God, He will find you. His arms are open wide. But listen to me, child of God. If you don't take anything away from this message today but this, when you find that loving God, you can't change Him. You can't recreate Him in the image you want Him to be. You can't make Him what you want Him to be. When you find Our loving God, you will find Him as He is. The God who's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The God who does not change. The God who is...
lover. Now friends, if you put all that in context, here's what James is saying. James is saying, this fussing and fighting, and by the way, we're talking about the church, but more than likely, I think we could make application to on your job or in your family or wherever it's going on in your life as a Christian. He says, when there's fussing and fighting and quarreling and warring and coveting and lust for pleasure and worldliness going on among you, James says, that is adultery. That's spiritual adultery. You've abandoned the covenant that you made with your God. And at the same time, James is saying that our God is a fiercely jealous lover. And He won't leave you alone. He's coming for you. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that He's coming for you. A, a, a jealous husband or a jealous wife will go after the person they love. He's coming for you. He won't leave you alone. And He's a consuming fire. I do not have the gift of prophecy. I never have felt like I had the gift of prophecy. But every now and then the Lord will give me a prophetic word. And I felt that way as I was preparing this message. I penned these words. I want to read them to you because this is exactly how the Holy Spirit gave them to me. If this is for you, then I hope you'll receive it. You came to church this morning torn, caught between two worlds. You had an experience with God at one time, but now you are not sure anymore. You're trying to figure out which direction you want to go from here. The enemy is talking to you and drawing you away from the things of God. But the love of God through His Spirit is saying to you, the one true God who loves you is a jealous God. The one true God who put His Holy Spirit in you is yearning jealously right now for you. You need to know He will not let go. He will not leave you alone. He is a consuming fire. And you can't run far enough or fast enough to get away from Him. The God who loves you is calling you back home. And time is of the essence. The last sentence again. The God who loves you is calling you back home. And time is of the essence. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.